And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by my guys, Andrew Tursky and Chris McCormick. Guys, another week, more gear news. What's going on? Lots, Lots of topics of today. Lots sure. to get through. Yeah, Tursky's And uh, I'm in joining. Sin City. I'll say Tursky's joining us from Sin City. We'll have the regular gear rundown, what he's been seeing, what he's been shooting from Vegas at the Shriners. But before we get into that, we wanted to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by our title sponsor, Arnold Palmer Spiked. There's no better way to yes. celebrate a life well played than Arnold Palmer Spiked. It's the classic taste of iced tea and lemonade you already know and love with 5% alcohol by volume. Made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easy going as the icon that made it famous. Arnold Palmer. Gotta love the guy. Love He's it. A great golfer. And he also made an awesome drink. I mean, can you name another guy that's done that? I don't know. Can I, I ask so. a quick question? Quick question. Go here. for it. Go for it. As we go th- as we go through this ad read, ask a question, Tursky. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys are making your own Arnold Palmer, what's the ratio you go with iced tea to lemonade? Because I'm a big like ninety percent lemonade, ten percent iced tea guy. But I'm a sucker well, for lemonade. That's that's really aggressive. I'd probably say mine is, I'm like one third lemonade and two thirds iced tea. Wow. Okay. So we're opposite in that. I want I want Chris. a little bit of sweet. I want a little bit of sweetness, but I don't. <laughs> but I don't need it like in my face. It needs to be refreshing. I want mostly I sugar. Palmer Spike. I want, mostly yeah, I want sugar. mostly sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the alcohol. But yeah, what Chris? Chris, what about you? What's your ratio? Uh, I'm actually going to full disclosure here. I have never mixed my own. I have always been a uh, a, a pre-made guy. Whoa! I know. Wow. As shocking as well, that may be. Well, then Arnold Palmer spiked uh, iced teas for you. I was That's just about it. to say it's it's yeah, the Arnold uh, Palmer spiked is for Chris. It's the perfect answer. The ratio is already figured out. I don't have to think <laughs> about it. It's already done. Simplicity. Oh Five percent alcohol too. That's what I'd say. You got, you got enough alcohol there to, to, to make it for a uh, fun afternoon. So if you want to learn more about Arnold Palmer Spiked, you can find it in stores. You can check it out on Drizzly and Instacart, or you can go to the website arnoldpalmerspiked.com backslash fully equipped. If you want to learn more, 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. As always, celebrate responsibly. And with that, Tursky, there's a place where you need to celebrate responsibly, but most people don't. You're in Vegas <laughs> this week at the Shriners. It's a nice little transition right there. What's been going on? What have you been seeing? That is a nice little transition, but yeah, yeah that Vegas, was good. Maybe. That was good. But we're like 30 minutes off the strip, so it's not like really Vegas. I haven't been on the strip. I've just been hanging out Summerlin. Not quite the same. You know, I haven't That's been true. going to like Wolfgang Puck for for dinner. I've been going to Panera, so <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't hit exactly the same. But uh, you weren't you weren't on a on like a club bender last night, you know, and then roll into the golf course at at seven a.m. straight from the club. No, I mean I do like that lifestyle, but it was more like dealing with Wi-Fi until two a.m. trying to get stories out. We're not going to talk out. about that. We're not going to talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, yesterday was a very fun day i'll talk about the afternoon first before we get into the gear changes i did get to spend some time at the nellis u.s air force base so that's a little tease for the interview 
So there's someone in the field on a sponsor's exemption that was a U.S. Air Force graduate and played in the U.S. Open, made the cut in the U.S. Open, and he's in the field this week. Super nice kid. Um, I guess I'll say his name now. His name's Kyle Westmoreland. And he was showing me some TrackMan numbers. I'm not going to spoil it, but this kid hits it hard. And he also called Bryson out like a little bit. So that's oh. so that's my te- that's my tease. Oh. So so we'll get into that. A little head to head on the um, driving range, maybe. I'm not going to say anymore. You're going to have to listen to the interview. It was funny though. It was great. He's like super super nice kid. But uh, in terms of what's going on on site. I would say the biggest story is I got to finally see the Mizuno Pro irons in person. The two two ones that Justin Rose put in play at the Open Championship. Keith Mitchell had a full set in his bag. So I got to see those from a dress. And what's I his, will what's his say, set composition for uh, for those irons? Didn't didn't he have a, a long iron in play as well, but that wasn't a two two one? Yeah, he had the two two five, he had a two iron. Okay. which those are a full set. They're not just driving irons. Mizuno Pro, the lineup has a fly high. So those are going to be like the driving irons. And then the 225s are actually a full set, but he just had a two iron in the bag. And I think he went pitching wedge to four iron. Otherwise, I don't think he had a three iron in the bag. <coughs> I, I didn't think he did either. He put him in play uh, last last week at Sanderson. But, but yeah, I mean, they're they're brand new. I know a couple of guys have them in the bag now. But those two two ones have serious bag appeal. Like they got that shiny chrome that just hits the hits the light right. And I asked him, you know, like why he switched. And he was like, Well, they launched lower. I really like the shapes from Address. I don't know if you saw the photos from Address, but he said he I really mean. liked the shapes and that they're soft. And then he clarified, he said no, like scary soft. So we're talking about super soft feel on these irons. Um, I thought the the top line was maybe like a little bit thicker than I thought they were going to be. What did you think about that? Um, you know, I thought th- I thought they looked pretty pretty similar to to what we've seen from Mizuno in in the blade category. So just to clarify, the the two two one is a traditional muscle black blade. I mean. It's tough to kind of tell Tursky, but but how thick is that muscle pad? It look it looks like it's a little bit more pronounced than than previous versions. Yeah, I would say it's pretty thick. Yeah, but yeah. I think so, it's like a concerted effort by them to kind of make them a little bit more solid and more forgiving. Like they're not trying to go back. I know it's the Mizuno Pro name and logo, but they're mm-hmm. not trying to throw it back like twenty years. I mean, they want to still have a nice shape, clean look but they're really trying to add a little bit more performance and forgiveness from my understanding of, of what uh, Mizuno has put out so far. Um, we do have a story on golf.com where Chris Vishal put out on the Mizuno uh, YouTube channel, kind of just like a teaser. He doesn't get all the way into the tech, but you know he's given it up a little bit about what the irons are all about and what each iron is all about. And that was kind of my takeaway that, you know, they're not necessarily trying to please the traditionalists. They're trying to put performance in clean shapes. And then um, Rory Sabatini had a full set of the two two threes, which are more of like a cavity back look. And he was just saying how forgiving they are. Basically, he was like, 
you know, Rory's got that dry sense of humor. He's like, listen, man, if I can hit these, anyone can hit these. So they, they look pretty clean from the top, though. I mean, they don't look too dissimilar in top line or shape to the 221. <coughs> so, you know what I love about these irons is that the Mizuno Pro, the script on the toe, yeah. is like a total throwback to the – I mean, I would say they're probably – the Colt classic when it comes to Mizuno irons, the, the Mizuno pro, the TN 87, Tommy Nakajima's. Yep. Yep. It, it's the same scripting and it's, I mean, again, not the same shaping, but, but definitely that script. When I saw it, I'm like, Oh shoot, that's, that's a little bit of a, of a throwback. And for those that know the, the classic TN 87s, you're going to notice the similarities as well. But yeah, this is a, this is an interesting lineup because I do agree with you, Turski. There, there does look to be a little bit more, beef in that muscle pad maybe a little bit more speed you know again muscle back guys aren't really looking for distance they're looking for consistent carry numbers and you know i think you're going to get that with these irons i think that's where the two the 225 comes into play you know it's i feel like that one to me is is what we've seen from a lot of oems here recently which is that blade profile but with a little bit more tech built into it um and you know, again, Keith is using the the deuce in the two two five, but I would think that if he's using it in his long iron, that those probably have a little bit more ball speed to them. And again, two 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 three is is like you mentioned, it's it's a pretty traditional small cavity back iron. I think it's probably going to fit the larger uh, population of golfers out there. If you're you know a, a lower single digit or not single digit, but a lower you know maybe an eight nine ten range feels like that would probably be in your wheelhouse but yeah anytime Mizuno comes out with new irons especially something with the Mizuno pro name on it something we haven't seen in a while in the states you know that that golfers are going to get excited and and I think kind of getting these in-hand photos you get a pretty good idea of of what you're going to be looking at if you go and get these at retail and those 225s I'm pretty sure are hollow bodied those are kind of like so. the HMB I think they're like the HMB replacements um I think he confirmed it in that video. I think it's not super. Body. It's not super beefy, which I really like. I mean, if you look at that no, 225 on golf.com <laughs> and the, the photos that Tursky took, and you can also find them on the fully equipped Instagram page. We're at fully equipped golf. It's it. You know what I really like about if I'm, if I'm a, just looking at this as a, as a golfer, not as a gear guy, what I love about the profile of this iron is the, the top line seems to kind of blend in with that back with that back muscle pad, you really don't see a lot of that beef on the backside. And to me, it's like, that's for better players, especially that are looking for a little more ball speed in those long irons. That's what you want. I mean, I don't want like a really thick long iron. If I'm, if I'm looking for something that's kind of going to blend in with my set, especially if I'm using two, two ones, that's what I want. I want that kind of a really like a smooth transition in the profiles. Not a lot of, not a lot of extra beef there. And they did a nice job kind of concealing the master on the back, in my opinion. Agreed. And I'm super sensitive to offset. I think we've talked about that many times in the past. Not too much at all. It's kind of like, this is the profile that I'm looking for when I look down at a club, really through the line. Like you said, the 225s aren't like off-putting. You don't see too much mass in the back, not a lot of offset. So definitely a lot of mixed set possibilities within this lineup. Yep. Yeah, there definitely is. What else you see? So I believe that Pat Perez is joining Team Armlock. 
It looks like he's going to an arm lock putter. I feel like this is one that wow. you wouldn't really think of when you're thinking of guys that are going to switch into an arm lock. Not a chance. I wonder who got him and, on that. I wonder who got him on that uh, on the arm lock train. No, it's got to be some I, tour pro. Has to be. I know. And I asked him. I was like, you know, when when did you make this switch? He's like, basically yesterday. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's like, Confident? what are you seeing? He's like, well, he's like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's but that's one of those. He's going uh, to a. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to a uh, sick mallet head with a LAGP um, shaft, which I have tested Bryson. out. He's going with the Bryson. Well, Bryson goes with the blade head. Yeah, but I'm saying he's maybe, got, maybe he's Bryson got like the winged was, mallet. Maybe Bryson. Oh yeah, could have been Bryson. Absolutely could have been Bryson. Yep. Possible possibility there. So that'll be interesting. I mean, he didn't really give me much more information than that, but I do have photos of him. I'm going to put those up on uh, Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. Another plug for the Insta. Let's go. And then there's another uh, putter switch that I believe is being made, or at least considered. This was news to me. I haven't seen him personally, but it looks like Ricky Fowler might be at least considering switching into a Cobra putter. J-Wall, you got any... Any background info on that one before I? Yeah, well, I mean, he was I, uh, he was testing get some pictures of it. Yeah, he was testing a Cobra King Vintage Sport Forty Five. That uh, that King line, the Vintage is one of them. You know, they were, you know, traditional shapes in in the Vintage products, and you know, again, trying to to utilize some of this tech, the the Parma tech that they were, you know, they were were they working with? Uh, was it Dell? HP. HP. I was like one of the computer companies. Thank you. Working with <laughs> HP. So they, they are able to come up with these with you know pretty unique shapes. And this one's pretty traditional in my eyes. I mean it, it looks it looks a lot like uh like an, an answer style putter. I mean it's pretty similar to like the the Newport two style shaping. I, I wouldn't imagine Ricky. I mean he has used some different shapes here in the past. I know he used a, a winged Scotty Cameron putter at one point, but He's been a pretty pretty much a traditionalist in the past, so not not a huge surprise. He still had the the Scotty Cameron Newport two in there, so I'm sure it'll be a game time decision. But yeah, interesting to see him with a Cobra putter because that's one club that he really has never gotten into with uh, the Cobra products. But I know they're making a bigger push now. I feel like the last couple of years he's just been kind of bouncing around putters, just looking for that magic back. I mean, he's he's kind of struggled here lately, so I think it's one of those like, hey, it's worth a shot. Let's uh, let's try it out. See if we can make some putts. For sure. Make some putts. Make some cuts. That's it. he needs yeah. it. He needs a uh, yeah. needs a shot in the arm with his game for sure. Be be a good time of the year too. You know, a lot of the a lot of the big names are are kind of shutting things down over the next couple of months. Might play a couple of, of events. I know Zozo is gonna gonna be a well attended event by the the big names, but. I mean, other than that, you probably won't see a lot of these big names very much throughout the rest of the year. So it'd be, a, be a good chance to try and, like you said, make some putts, make some cuts, try and try and find a little mojo going into the start of uh, 2022. God, I can't believe we're about to go into 2022, but that's that's another story. So yeah, we'll see if we'll see if Life's Fowler. Quick. I know we'll see if Fowler uh, uses the Cobra if he sticks with with Old Faithful and goes with the Cameron. But that that'll be one to track for sure. I'm going to go scope them out here on the course. 
I know you are. Right after we finish this podcast. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it tight so you can go find them on the golf course and snap some photos. All right. You know, one thing that we don't do on this podcast a lot, and we probably should, is just run through the winner's bag. And I, I feel like we this is a good week to start. Sam Burns is your 2021 Sanderson Farms Championship. He now has the Rooster Trophy sitting in his trophy <laughs> case. You know it's the in a coveted place rooster prominence. trophy. The coveted rooster trophy, and isn't I mean he won he won Valspar right? Yeah, he Was won a, uh, already this year. Isn't that a snake? Oh man, he's gonna put isn't the it? snake right next to the rooster. I think I think the Valspar trophy is a snake. You better Google that. You better Google that. I can't I can't confirm. It nor is deny. well. Hold on, let me see here. This thing looks a little. No, it's not. Gosh, it looks like a snake. It's actually a paintbrush with like kind of paint dripping in into like huh? almost a full circle with a golf ball. It's an Wait, odd why? looking because Val Valspar paint, Valspar paint. Oh, duh. Come on. I just thought with the uh, whatever it is, the they all have these these you know the different animal names. Bear trap is always the one that comes to mind. Yeah, but the snake pig. The snake pit, yeah, pit. yeah. it's yeah. It, I mean, anyway, I thought maybe they'd have a snake, but it looks kind of like it at first glance when you see it, but it's actually a paintbrush with the paint kind of dripping into like a full circle with a golf ball. Anyway, oh well, cool. that's not a strong. We are officially off the rails. Paintbrush and a rooster. I don't know if there's a more iconic duo out there than that. <laughs> Congrats to Sam, Sam Birds. Congrats to Sam. Listen. Sam Burns is having one hell of a year. He he should have won a couple more times, but Stud. but the the I mean he can play. I, I remember watching him when he was in college, and uh, he was it was a couple of times when he was qualifying. I think one of them was like a was US Open qualifying. And anyway, that dude can just pound the golf ball. He, he's got some serious distance. Go through the bag quickly. He's got a Callaway Epic Speed. Ten and a half degree driver with a Fujikura Ventus Blue 7X shaft. Ventus Blue, I mean Ventus in general has been been on a tear. It's it's a really popular shaft. How is it is it pretty popular at True Spec as well, Chris? Ventus product. Uh, Ventus has been phenomenal. It is uh, it's hands down one of the best performing shafts that we've had in the line. I mean the the red, the blue, and the black are all very very solid product. It's a, it is definitely a good one. Like I said, blue mid launch. He then transitions, no three wood, right into the five wood. Smart which I man. Know a lot of the, a lot of the big, a lot of the big hitters go right into the five wood because it pretty much goes as long as a three anyway. And he has a Callaway Maverick Sub Zero, seventeen degrees with a Fujikura Ventus Black. Now the black is the lower launching Ventus product. This is in an eight X flex. And, you know, you think about a lot of the, the tour pros nowadays are one of those high launch fairway woods. He's going, trying to get that lower launching product. Maybe he wants it to perform more like a, like a three wood. I don't know, Chris. I mean, what, if you, if you saw a build like that, what's, what's kind of your, would, would you kind of think the same thing? I would assume, yeah, you're on the same, same thought process that I would be. That, that would be kind of his, his objective with that type of build. And it's interesting that no three wood. 
Well, it's basically a three wood. He's got it's seventeen degree 17 five wood, black. right? So it's turned yeah. it's turned down, and then he's got a super stiff shaft in there. Yeah. So right, it's probably coming Launch out of the same window good. as a lot of the three woods that he's he tried. Yeah, it's my guess. It's, yeah, and and that, that and I think you're probably right, Tercy, because he goes from the five wood into a Callaway Apex hybrid with a Fuji Kura Atmos Blue hybrid eight X shaft, twenty three degrees. And then from there, he's straight into Callaway Apex TCB irons. Now the TCB, we we've seen um, we've seen a lot of the Callaway pros, but TCB. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. That's that's not available in here in the states. It's only it's only like a like a Europe release or or everywhere else but the U.S. No, actually, we have TCB, TCB at uh, at TrueSpec. So TCB okay. isn't available through their normal retail chains, but uh, a right. lot of their custom fitting partners like us have, have got access to it. But the, well, that's uh, good to know because people always ask me, they're like, hey, what, why can't I get TCB? I see a lot of the pros that, you know, Xander's playing them, Sam Burns is playing them. And, and it's like, uh, you know, I, so there you go. You want to go get a set of TCBs or get fit for him? Go to TrueSpec. TrueSpec plug. There you go, TrueSpec plug. Let's go. TrueSpec plug. Go. We got TCB for you. TrueSpec plug. We, they got the TCB irons. How, now, how do those differ, Chris, compared to compared to the Apex? Like, what's the difference between the TCB and the Apex? It's a huge difference. So the, the size is noticeably different. Uh, very small top line, very minimal offset to it. A super, super clean iron and going to be more in that kind of muscle line than the the cavity back of the apex so it is substantially smaller than anything else in that apex lineup and the uh, the lack of offset is phenomenal for the better player's eye so they uh they had kind of engineered those and designed those with input from shoffley and the, yeah, the shoffley specials hey the, well, the feel he's got a lot of phenomenal special irons. <clears throat> got a lot of special irons as he's been there um, but the, it's interesting though, cause they, they call them the apex TCB, but to me, those, they have the, the look of the X forge with that, they with, do. That, with that adjustable plate in the back. There's some differences. So the, I mean, the TCB is going to have thinner top line than X forged also going to have less offset, uh, CG placement in the TCB versus the X forge is going to be a little different as well. So the, the plating system is, it's not. It's not exactly the same as far as what it does to influence the playability of the iron, but that uh, that TCB is a, a great, great player's iron. Yeah, and you can also find him a true spec. There you go. So he's he's got those in the four through nine. What are you shaking your head for, Tursky? I'm just trying to just trying to help Chris sell some irons. That's um, what well, we got. We got TCB two and plugs. we got triple diamond. That's two plugs diamond and TCB. Know. Can't buy them on the big box stores. Come see us. Checks in the mail, right? Um, <laughs> so he's got a TCB in the fourth nine <clears throat> with True Temper Project X six point five shafts wedges. He's Callaway Jaws MB five raw forty six fifty fifty six sixty. So he uses the Jaws MB five pitching wedge in his setup. He's in True Temper Dynamic Gold Tour issue S four hundred Tiger Wood special. Um, Hutter is Odyssey O-Works Black 7S, and he is in the Callaway Chrome Soft X golf ball. There's your winner's bag. We actually had some pretty decent insights in there. I think I think maybe we'll make this a weekly staple. What do you think? I say we keep trying it until it completely falls flat. 
I think this one went well, though. I liked yeah. hearing the difference between uh, the TCB and the X-Forged. I think that was like a big question on a lot of people's mind and mine as well, because I haven't tested those back-to-back. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, you put them side-by-side, side, just the, the size of the blades, quite a bit different and noticeably less offset in the TCB. For those of you that are like Tursky and very sensitive to the offset topic. I was going to say, piqued my interest for sure. All right. <laughs> well, before we <coughs> dive into some more gear topics, let's make our weekly picks. Brought to you by our friends at BetMGM. If you're looking to get in on some action, whether it's the Shriners or football that's on tap this weekend, you can check out BetMGM. Use promo code fully equipped to get in the game. You can download the BetMGM app. They have a free, or a sorry, risk-free first wager up to $1,000. If you lose, you get that money back in bet credits. You're going to still be bet more anyway. So it works out well. Let's get into this week's picks. What you got at the Shriners, guys? Well, I'm going to start with Willie Z. I think that's going to be a standing, standing okay, weekly pick, bet. But here's the thing: stop, 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 hold on, hold on. You picked Willie. He Z shot last sixty. Week. He shot you, sixty-one you, last but week. You picked two guys last week. You can't do right. that. Yeah, but what if you I can't, am picking you two can't, guys I don't every pick week? Willie Z, and then pick another. Why? Guy. You, Why? You Are we going to all pick two guys? <laughs> if you want, if you want to have a standing guy that you go with, route. that's fine. You like, got, you got your, you got your one and your one A. <laughs> You got you got your one and one side chick. <laughs> hey man, no comment on that one. But um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for my main, for my serious main pick, I'm gonna go Joaquin Neiman. Every time he tees yeah. it up, it's like a guaranteed top eleven. So if you want to like guarantee a bet, just take Joaquin Neiman to finish top ten. You're going to lose a little bit on the odds probably or value. But he's going to be my pick to win. I think he gets it done. He doesn't miss any shots, and he also makes a lot of putts. So I feel like it's a pretty safe bet. I think he's uh, plus 4,000 when I looked. I'm on my yeah. phone right now. Yep. So still I can't still it plus 4,000. Yep. So if you, if you go bet MGM, has got him at plus 4,000 this week. And then what's, what's it got Willie Z at? Uh, Willie Z is plus 2,500 to win. <clears throat> okay. That's that's my side bet. All right, you guys can go now. There's this there's this side piece. All right, great. Chris, <laughs> take just just make one pick, please. Don't be like Tursky and take two again. And please oh. don't take Willie Z or 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 Walking Neiman. You know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of. I might just have to just kill the picks after this week if we have the same guy again. <laughs> just gonna kill the picks. <laughs> just I was I was already for my two picks. I I thought we were gonna have a staple pick, a standing, and then you know the the weekly pick. But all right, all right. Please See, Jay Wall didn't get the memo. That, so that, it's, that it's the world against Jay Wall. Is that what it is? <laughs> that's well, yeah. That, okay, but you're great. the only Good one of us know. that's played at Augusta, so we got to gang up on you until we get oh, that invite is, to go oh, play. Oh, great okay. point. Yeah, great, what it is. Great. Okay. I mean, if nice I would have got an invite to play Augusta, my phone might have worked when I was in Dallas. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. We got some beef now, Chris. All right. First, he was looking for some real beef on this pod. Now we got it. Let's All get right. that pit money. Good to know. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to log that right now. 
Like right, Tiger so, Woods, I, I'm not going to forget. Notice the shirt here. The shirt. This is, this yep. is uh, yeah, Fig Jam. There, yeah, there we are. Jam. So, back on topic. Great shirt. Pick for the week. I'm going to go Victor Hovel. I like that. Okay. It's a great so, pick every week. You just take you just take him every time he tees it up. I mean, you're gonna win money eventually. I was gonna say it's usually yeah. gonna work out well for you. Yeah. Victor's Vic, Vic, like, a good one. Short odds this week. He's plus two thousand. Next uh Kepka. I guess I guess if you look at it, Victor is the co betting favorite on BetMGM. So oh. taking the chalk this week. Really going out on a limb there, Chris. Wow. Hey, coming from a guy who's taken plus twenty five hundred Willie Z. I don't really have much to say there, bud. <laughs> There's nothing I could do, man. You know, the goal is to pick the winner. All right, so you guys made your picks. You know, I made I made fun of Chris for taking the chalk, but I'm going to take the guy who's right behind him in the odds. I'm going to take Abe Answer. Uh, you know, for starters, he's a flusher. Don't have to worry about the iron game. He's it's a always on point. He finished fourth in Vegas last year, so has a little bit of recent success. Now, I should point out that I picked the postman last week, coming off a third-place finish the year prior at Sanderson, and he had a trunk-slamming week. So, you know. <laughs> Yikes. Hot yeah, start yeah. for J-Wall. Hot, hot start for me, yeah. Especially when the guys that I'm going up against are making two picks each. But I digress. So I'm going to take Abe Answer. He's at plus 2,200 on BetMGM. So there's my pick. And you know what? Why the hell not? Producer Mark, who do you have? Yeah. Um, I've been having some good gambling success lately. You know, want to – Somebody, somebody hit it big over that. the weekend, I heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm the parlay king. I'm going to take a guy who's played 16 career rounds at TPC Summerlin, coming off a top eight finish last week. See Woo Kim at plus four thousand. See Woo shaking that ass, shaking that ass. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to. You know what? I'm glad to did that because that was going to be me. I was I was about to drop that one, but yeah, it's, it's someone was going to drop it. Yeah, yeah, right after right after uh, right after you took Siwoo. So, all right, producer Mark's in. He's taking Siwoo. I I like that pick. It's Siwoo's always kind of a sneaky guy. He's up. He's at plus four thousand as well. So we're not really taking any uh, any long odd guys this week. Just to recap, we've got Neiman for Tursky at plus four thousand plus his side piece in Willie Z. At plus twenty five hundred, cheater. Um, Calling Willie Z my side piece is insane. Hovi, Hovi at plus two thousand for Chris. I'm taking Abe answer at plus twenty two hundred. Producer Mark Siwoo shaking that ass at plus four thousand. So those are our picks. As always, check out BetMGM. Download the app. Enter bonus code fully equipped. Get your free bets. I mean, it's a risk-free wager. I mean, you, you should you should definitely sign up, use fully equipped. And with that, my favorite part, this offer is only available to new customers. Like I mentioned, it's paid in free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. 
Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Would love to know what that is. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Wyoming. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 1-800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. There we go. One take Wall. Nailed it. That's right. Yeah, this has not been a very good one take Wall week. I've, I've really struggled with these. We've, yeah, I know. Here. All right, so we got we got through that. We made our picks. We're in Turski. You're in Vegas. Something big happened in Vegas last week. Something big that I don't think people really realize. Kind of the the ramifications that it could have on golf going forward. Bryson had himself one hell of a week at the long drive. Did you guys tune in at all? I mean, it wasn't on television. You had to watch it streaming. Did Did you tune in though? I was basically tuning into James Colgan's tweets about it. He was covering it really well. Big Game James did an awesome job last week. Let me Big just say Game that. James. He took some great photos. Uh, he gets he gets the name Big Game James because the the kid can write. He's great on camera. I I am I am a huge James Colgan fan. And and last week kind of solidified it for me. He he did one hell of a job covering Bryson from the long drive. Yeah, James stock went up and I think Bryson's stock went up too. I think the uh, public perception is kind of switching this last couple weeks. I think he did a great ah, job at the Ryder Cup. I agree. He, he really brought the energy at the Ryder Cup. He played well. He kind of silenced a lot of haters that were uh, – I think people were a little bit nervous about him doing, like, the long drive training and then trying to also play the Ryder Cup. You know, there was a little backlash there. But played well at the Ryder Cup, got the win, and then he shocked the world finishing top eight in the long drive. Very, very impressive from him. Hats off. Yeah. I mean, it, not much it, you can hate on there. Is. No, you, you can't. shine the there light, was, shine the light bright on long drive in general. A lot, a lot of haterade flowing. And I, I have to, I have to say, I, I felt, I do feel bad because I feel like some of that haterade came from a story that I wrote leading up to the Ryder cup. I had a chance to, to talk to Bryson at, at East Lake and he kind of, I was just kind of curious, like, how are you balancing Ryder cup duties and long drive? And, he talked about a trip that he had made going into the FedEx Cup playoffs to North Carolina, and we, we discussed that in depth if you want to go back and hear kind of about Bryson gleaning insights from guys that had been in the long drive industry for two decades plus. But the general consensus from everybody that read the story was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy is doing two-a-days, speed training two-a-days, while he's got a Ryder Cup coming up next week and he's still planning on doing two a days the week of the Ryder Cup, he's nuts. Like he's gonna totally he's gonna totally sabotage Team USA's chances. That was that was basically the gist of it. People were not happy that Bryson was and he wasn't prioritizing it as he was just preparing for both. And I mean he has it he has a great week at the Ryder Cup. I think a lot of people loved the the energy that he brought that week. He was a lot of fun, drove mm-hmm. greens was was out there like driver like raised like a like a triumphant swordsman i mean it was it was cool to see and yeah. you know he goes from that and then has one hell of a week at the long drive 
I think Bryson's stock, I agree with you, Turski. His his stock is way up. I think a lot of people have changed their mind on, on Bryson. Yeah, I kind of gauge it based on, like, you know, just buddies who are sports fans in the group chat, just, like, the way they kind of talk about it. And I feel like they've done a little 180 on him, too. You know, it's just like, man, it's kind of undeniable right now that Bryson's just a superstar in golf, and I think he's doing great things for the sport and the sport of long drive. Like, that has to be great for for that tour. You know, there's got to be a lot sure. more eye, a lot more eyeballs, a lot more money is going to be coming in. I think a lot more guys are going to be interested in getting involved with it, too. I know Luke uh, Curtin, he's he's big on getting that into the Olympics, which I don't think is outside the realm of possibility. Um, that would be pretty cool to see in there. So, Chris, what do you think? Now that Bryson's had a, a very successful run in long drive, do you, do you think we see any other current tour pros give it a shot next year? Current tour pros? Ooh. Yeah. I want That's- Wilco in there. I want him in there bad. I think he could have a uh, serious impact on the leaderboard. I, I think there's some tour pros that have, have an extra gear or two that they just don't use that might have an opportunity to be competitive, but to see guys that actually compete in both, man, I I don't know. It was great to see Bryson. Uh, like you guys said, I think it was a, a shot in the arm for long drive for sure. You know, it was good to see Kyle Berkshire defend his title and put yep. up another W. Nice. That guy is just an absolute machine. And, I mean, with Jamie Sedlowski leaving long drive and starting to play more professional golf and now Bryson kind of going the other way, it just creates a buzz. I mean, like Tursky said, in my circle of friends and just talking to guys around the shop, you know, there was there was a lot of conversation about long drive and more eyes on that event than there normally would have been just to see Bryson compete and see how he would do. And I, I don't think it's anything but positive to have him in there kind of mixing it up with those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. I think, I think we do. I think we see somebody else next year. I would, I would hope that Bryson would, would make a a return to long drive and do it again next year. But I I think somebody else will, will follow him. I don't know if it's going to be Wilco, but but I just have I have a feeling. Who's your pick? I mean, it's a great way for exposure, and I, I think I think there's only positives that can come out of it. I think I think probably probably a lot of Bryson's peers were were thinking, you know, oh man, this could be a mixed bag for him. And at the end of the day, I think he comes out smelling like roses. So I don't know. Maybe somebody else gives it a shot. Listen, if if the pip coin stays around. I, I definitely think it's, that's, that's good. Why not? Get yourself out there. Get yourself in the long drive. Go viral. Why not? I Why think not? right now he's, he's, winning, he's winning the beef between him and Brooks. I think uh, Bryson, like at the end of all this, kind of came out better in the public eye than, than Brooks. For sure. My opinion. Yeah. No, I, I, would, I would totally agree there. I mean, they're playing in the match five. They're going head to head. I was going to say, we have the, the match win. to look forward to. Well, <clears throat> depends on your definition of looking forward to. I, you know, have any of oh. these matches been been watchable? I, I like mean, that they went to 12 holes for this, though. Now, no, nobody's really just said anything, said why, but, you know, Bro- or Brooks has talked about kind of how he blacks out between holes like 12 and 16 during rounds. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it gets bored and. So do the fans with these matches, though. Keep Brooks engaged the whole time. 
I, I don't know. It's, it is an interesting format. They've, I think, uh, Dylan DeChair from golf.com love Dylan. He proposed, you know, rounds should be, I think it was like 12 holes, 12 or 13 holes. And kind of that's, that's like the magic number for, for like a round of golf and, and why that could be beneficial for golfers out there. It's an interesting, I'm uh, huge, interesting I'm huge on that too. I'm a big oh, uh, part three else. course guy, okay. nine holes, even six holes. I just think golf in general takes too long. But no, that's just especially my if you're, I'm, I'm also a muni playing, golfer. I'm yeah, out there with if people. You're on the, you know, if you're playing on the weekends, rounds. yeah, say six hour rounds, five hour rounds are the norm if you're playing muni golf on the weekends. But you got to go out during the week. But a lot of people can't do that because they're working. So it's, it becomes difficult to, to kind of condense those rounds to even three or four hours unless you're dew sweeping and you get one of those early rounds but either you have to wake up really early or you gotta, you gotta know golf. somebody who knows somebody to get those tea times <laughs> because they usually go pretty fast um, alice cooper yeah i was gonna say alice cooper yeah. Well, yeah, that say, before unless, unless that before the first time on the tea sheet tea unless time. you're coop yeah so i did before we kind of transition off of bryson i, I did want to point out he used a different driver last week i spoke to a couple of the guys at cobra about the design and the only like one thing that I noticed was the the adjustable weights that you see in the bottom of the of the Cobra Radspeed driver. Those were were fixed weights. They they I mean they weren't even you couldn't even take them out if you wanted to. They were just kind of made to look like the design of the Radspeed. And the reason being they're trying to reduce the weight of that driver head because Bryson's going to a forty eight inch driver shaft when he's doing long drives. So you want to get that head as light as possible to try and keep the swing mate manageable. And Tursky and I were talking about that when we did 48 inch testing, you know, we didn't have the ability to, um, to, to reduce, you know, shed weight from our driver head. So it did feel like a sledgehammer at times when you're swinging it. So that's one of the reasons why you want to go lighter. So he, he, again, the driver looked pretty similar. It was four and a half degrees of loft. And you might be going, that's insane. Four and a half degrees. That's pretty standard for, when you're talking about the long drive, I mean, there's even guys that are using like two or three degrees when, when you're talking long drive. So that's, you know, four and a half even might be on the, on the higher side. And the other interesting tweak that they made to his driver for long drive. And again, this is, this is an LD specific driver was they changed out the face material. They went from your standard titanium face to a 15, three, three, three beta titanium alloy. And the reason why they went to beta titanium was because it's going to be able to withstand those really high speed repeated blows um, that, you know, just, just some minor tweaks. I was kind of wondering what they would do to, to get Bryson long drive ready. And again, not, not a whole lot shedding weight, giving him a more sturdy face. And you're not going to see this driver on a week to week basis for him. He's going to go back to, to kind of his standard tour setup, but at least for, for that week in Mesquite, he, he went with a different driver build. He hit the ball pretty straight out there. That gave Maybe you should advantage. consider throwing that ben in Shoman every about that. Yeah, I mean, Ben Showman, Cobra's tour rep, he and I were talking as he was heading out to, to, um, to Mesquite, and he even said, yeah. look, one of the things that gives Bryson an advantage, he's so accurate. You got to just keep it on the grid, and he can do that at his you know, crazy length. I mean, look what he's doing in uh, to a tour events. I mean, the, during the BMW when he had that, that incredible playoff with – Patrick Cantlay, with the exception of that one ball he hits in the water during the playoff, he was going after it pretty hard with the driver and finding the fairway. So you're right, Tursky. His his accuracy, not just his his speed, that's what gives him an edge over a lot of the guys 
in in the long drive scene. So um, absolutely. Again, really, really cool week for Bryson. Glad to see that he, you know, I, I think for him he wasn't expecting to win. He was just looking to try and get in that top sixteen. And he did. I mean, he he made it all the way to the last day, and that's all you can really ask for when you're going up against guys like like a Kyle Berkshire. So, um, all right, this this next one here is crazy. I got to give a shout out to the guys over on the For the People podcast. So, if you haven't listened to For the People, it is a pod with pro golfer. You, you guys know John Peterson, right? John Peterson went to LSU, had a had a solid pro career. Um, I, I mean, I always remember back to John Peterson during the, during the U S open at Olympic club, the, the year that Webb Simpson won and John made an ace and went absolutely ballistic. And, you know, he, he was one hell of a golfer in college. So he and uh, JJ Colleen, both pro golfers have this podcast and they had Harris English on and they're having Harris English who John Peterson, especially played golf with when Harris was at Georgia and John was at LSU they were going through his experience at the Ryder Cup, and then they bring up the topic of Harris English's putter grip. And it's like, okay, you know, it. I feel like the putter grip kind of came to prominence the, earlier this year during that eight-hole playoff at the Travelers. The CBS cameras caught this. It's a ping palm lock putter grip. We talked about it on the podcast before. I wrote about it that same week in our gear notes. It is beat to shit. It's it's so worn out that the rubber compound on the outside of this palm lock grip. Now this grip is is made by Win, but it's so worn that there is no rubber anymore. It's literally just that cloth material underneath the rubber on the grip, and it's fraying at the top where the where the butt end of the rubber cap is. And I think people were just blown away that a pro is still using this grip. And so I, I talked to the guys at Ping. They confirmed that that Harris has been using this grip on his Ping Ho-Hum putter going all the way back to when he was in college. He has not changed the grip in a decade. So that's kind of the, the table setter for this because they ask him about it because it's, it's you know, it's been a, a decently hot topic in the gear space. And Harris drops some interesting nuggets. Oh, by the way... He makes it through the first two days of the Ryder Cup with his putter, and then he's strolling into the clubhouse at Whistling Straits on Sunday about to face Lee Westwood, and he gets a phone call from Steve Stricker. And, and this is straight from the podcast on the For the People pod. He tells them, he said, uh, Stricker calls and says, Hey, Harry, I've got some bad news. We've got the head rules official here, and he wants to take a look at your putter grip. And I'm mm. like, shit. That's straight from from Harris. So apparently, and again, I, I'm trying to get some confirmation here from from the PGA of America, just just to kind of see what's going on, and I'll tell you why in a second. But Harris says that I guess somebody had called in, they saw the grip on television or whatever, and saw the banana flap over. Now the ban- banana flap, meaning that piece of cloth material at the top where the the cap end is, that was fraying off from the grip. Uh, he said they deemed the grip illegal. This was Sunday morning, about two hours before my tea time, as I'm getting warmed up. I mean, this is literally the worst possible timing to find out that your your trusty putter grip could be illegal, non-conforming, whatever you want to call it. Worst timing ever, and this has to be yeah. like a European team fan who called in and snitched. I was about to say, is this like a little gamesmanship you- from the Euros? 
if you're an American, they're absolutely American hosed, fan, so now they're and you call in and snitch. <laughs> Come on, snitch. Now. It was Ian Poulter. Can't do that. We we gotta we gotta yeah, it call bad. it out. It was Poulter. Poulter <laughs> called in anonymous anonymous phone call. Whoever's idea oh it was goodness. to wear the cheese heads before the uh, before the event, whoever's idea that was, that's who called in and snitched on. Harris. That's it. That's who it was. I still think it's Poulter. Amazing. But I don't I don't uh, see the problem with even even if like the the leather's falling off. I mean, there's no competitive advantage there. It doesn't affect the way the club plays. So so I and I agree with you here, but here's something interesting. So in the the USGA rules, it states that uh for, over time the grip, the face and the grip of a club in particular may become worn through normal use, but a grip that becomes so worn that it becomes molded for the hands or grooves on an iron that uh, make the club non-conforming. Like those are issues here. So, and this goes mm-hmm. back to, I, I didn't really hear the story, but somebody reached out to me on, on Instagram. It was, uh, it, I'll call, I'll shout him out here. Kyle blank on Instagram. And he says that he actually had heard, he, he thought he'd read it somewhere or saw it on the telecast that it was due to the wear marks on the grip providing guidance to where the hands were placed and kind of the pressure that basically consistent pressure on the grip. So it, it sort of was like molded to where his hands needed to go. Now it okay. seems like a ma- like a massive stretch because he's been using this grip for, for a decade now that just out of nowhere, they're going to now say, hey, bud, your grip is, is non-conforming. So, but like I don't I don't get that though because you can you can use reminder grips like you can have a vertical strip down you can also wrap a grip with tape like yeah but I I think it's just the fact that it's like so worn that it's like his hands it his hands could basically be molded to the grip from using it for yeah. so long that it I, I mean again I I, I don't I don't agree you can't with use it. like a training aid grip so correct. Yeah, and I, yeah. Don't, and I don't necessarily agree with this. And I also kind of question how this happened. If it really was somebody calling in, as Harris says, it, it's important to note that the USGA put rules in place banning armchair golf rules officials in 2018. So how, how is this a thing? If, if you know, they're not supposed to be taking phone calls, like did they get a hot tip from somebody? I, it, it feels like an inside job to me, like something's going on. But again... Harris is now in the position where he has to figure this out. He's he's gotta he's gotta do something with the grip because he has a conference call with a couple of USGA guys and Ryder Cup official who say, Hey man, listen, we've talked and we've confirmed your grip is now non-conforming. You gotta figure this out. Now here's where it gets interesting though, because you would think, all right, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to yank the grip off. But instead, Vice Captain Davis Love and uh, and this is the funny part. Harris says that Davis, the savvy deer hunter and knifesman, um, he gets an exacto knife and he cuts off the part of the grip that they're deeming to be the non-conforming piece. And Harris says that they gauzed it so it would be flush with the other cloth part. He, being Davis, gets it done in a few minutes. He hands it off to the to the official for for the the Ryder Cup, who then gives it to another rules official, who then goes over and hands it to Padraig Harrington who okays it. So Podrick had to okay the grip and then it's okay to play. So potential disaster averted. Um, Harris lost his, his match against Lee Westwood. He admitted after that the grip's probably going to have to be replaced sometime in, in the not too distant future. But there you go. 
There's a story that you didn't even hear about. We didn't even hear about until it was revealed by Harris himself that he was playing with a non-conforming grip. And he's been playing with it for a while. I mean, how long has it been non-conforming? Nobody knows. But That's it right you know, there. Again, that's the, the big question. The Ryder question. Cup has a whole lot of eyeballs. And, and that's why the grip became a big story during the tournament or during the matches, I should say. Is this going to be like a Reggie Bush situation where they like take away his wins? <laughs> they going to go back and take grip? away his tournament wins? I don't think so. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be some total bullshit right there. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that be that's exactly the problem is, I mean, those wind grips, if any of us out there have, have used wind grips, when those things wear out and that outer rubber starts to go and you get down to that cloth material i mean it, how much further does it go from there i mean it's got an inner core inside of that grip that is pretty firm and it starts to beg the question okay if that grip has been on his putter for over a decade it at what point is it considered non-conforming is it after two years right. is it after three years and it's such a gray area it is. It's, it is such a great area. This a, ruling is going to set like such a weird ruling. precedent. Yeah, I mean, that, but my thing is like, what are they going to do now? Are they going to start checking everybody's grip, putter grip on the on the first tee? Hell no, they're not going to do that. I mean, right only, like I said, the only reason why this became a thing was because his grip is so beat to shit, and and. I'm sure somebody's like, well, of course, you know, he's had his hands on it for 10 years. Of course, he's going to have like the imprints from his hands on that grip because the rubber's gone. It's just the cloth material in, in the foam. And again, it's, it's not. <laughs> if you really think that, that a 10-year-old grip is giving Harris English an advantage, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man, but it's not. Such Harris a is a good putter. I mean, he he won a nationwide event when he was an amateur. He's he's a he's a pretty good damn player in his own right, and it it's just it's a wild story the fact that they they decide to deem it non-conforming the on Sunday singles of a Ryder Cup I think is is pretty rich. Stop snitching. Amen. Stop snitching. Jeez. <laughs> if you're get if you're getting if you're getting whooped that bad, sorry, like. Harris English changing putter grips is not gonna is not gonna give you the cup. Yeah, it's just not play better. Happen. Yeah, play better. Exactly, play better. So there we go. There's the Harris English putter grip saga from the Ryder Cup. One new product that I did want to highlight this week. We've talked about it a little bit, but we haven't been able to get into the full details. The Apex UW from Callaway. It's a club that Phil Mickelson brought out on tour at the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit. We saw it in the bag of Graham McDowell, which was an interesting one. It's it's been it's been floating around there for for a little while. Adam Hadwin now has it in the bag. I was told that five LPGAers used one last week at the Shoprite, so it's out there now. This is an interesting club because people probably look at it and go, "Wait, didn't Callaway just release uh, a new hybrid?" they did epic super hybrid so so what are they doing why are they like releasing another like hybrid slash fairway well this one's a little bit different it is it's you know if i, I was gonna i would say the epic super hybrid is like a pure distance club that's one of those tursky tested it he did an unbelievable job in his proving ground write-up if you want to go check it out on golf.com he went in depth on like, can you use the Epic Super Hybrid to replace a fairway wood in your bag? If you're not a fairway wood guy, can you get similar distances? And I think he found out that, yes, you can. 
Now, this club here does have some speed to it, but that's not really what you know the golfers that are playing this are looking for. They're they're trying to look for like one of those tweener clubs, and that's what the Apex UW is. The UW stands for Utility Wood. It's going to give you a lot of the the you know launch characteristics of of a fairway wood with a lot of that playability that you're going to get from from a hybrid, even from a fairway wood out of the rough. It's it's just kind of trying to blend those two clubs together to to kind of help give you a secondary option off the tee, but also something that you can use from the fairway in the rough as well. Because sometimes you just have a fairy wood that's a great club off the tee, but it's just not really good going through the rough. So that's where this club's going to kind of come into play. It's got a more compact profile. It's got a clean, high gloss, black crown. No alignment aids, no nothing. I know there are some golfers out there that love that look, that naked crown. So that's going to be something that I think will appeal to a lot of, I would say better players. I, you know, I don't want to categorize this as a better player club, but you know, it, it was brought out on tour first and it was created with direct feedback from Phil Mickelson. It is one and a half inches shorter than a standard fairway would with the same loft, meaning that while you're, you know, you're going to be using it as a secondary option off the tee, you're going to be getting a little bit more accuracy out of this one. So, you, you know, you're looking for a fairway finder here, but also something that you can, you know, use going into the hole if you're trying to attack a par five and two. Uh, metal injection molded tungsten weights. Now we've seen, they're all, it's also called MIM. The MIMing process means that you're able to take tungsten and put it into confined spaces. We've seen that, uh, you know, early on with, I remember like the titles, like the AP iron line, they're able to do this with, with a lot of their irons. That's how they're able to pack in that tungsten in the really confined spaces was using the miming process. Here they're going to able, uh, it's going to allow you to reduce the draw bias because that's an issue with a lot of hybrids for a lot of golfers is they just don't like hybrid because it just draws too much. That's where the yep. naming process is going to help reduce that draw. It's also going to give this golf club a pretty high launch, um, you know, <coughs> relatively neutral spin characteristics. So it's not going to be like super high spin or low spin kind of there somewhere in the middle. And Callaway also mentioned that miming the tungsten in this head helped produce a 17% tighter downrange dispersion during testing. Now that'll be really good off the tee, but I also think it's really good if, again, if you want another option to use trying to attack a par five. If you've got something that's a bit more um, accurate, it's never a bad thing. So, um, yeah, it's this. This will be an interesting club. Again, I don't think you're going to see a ton of these in in you know the retail marketplace just simply because you're going to have some guys probably going Epic Super Hybrid, some going Apex UW. But I do think it fits a necessary need for a lot of those better golfers that have been kind of looking for again a fairway finder off the tee. Secondary option, but also something that they can use um, from the turf and also from the rough. I'm going to take it to the proving ground. Let's see what this thing's got. Super got super hybrid. Oh, of course super hybrid versus one. the uh, Apex UW. Let's put an end to it. I got something for you, Turski. It's righty, right? It is righty. Is it righty? So I'll, okay. I'll, ship, I'll ship it to you. Thank you, sir. We can and get I that going. Report so, back. Yeah, so in the, and I should also point out that this club is only available in 17, 19, and 21 degrees. So it's not going to be for the golfers that are looking for, you know, maybe like a five iron replacement. Probably not that, probably not that golf club for you. But if you're looking for like a three iron replacement, you know, 
this this could be a really good option. Three hundred bucks, so it's it's uh, you know considerably less than the Epic Super Hybrid, but it's just not packed. I mean, the, the Epic Super Hybrid is packed with like everything in the kitchen sink in terms of technology. I mean, the, as Callaway said, it has driver DNA. So yeah. this is uh, it's it's just not not the same face material, similar uh, internal structure design, but. But again, just looking at trying to fill a gap for, for, I would say, that better player out there. Anyway, that's the Apex UW. Go check it out. It's going to be available on October 14th. And it comes standard with Project X's hazardous black 70 shaft. I think, uh, I think we're definitely going to be needing to get some proving ground testing with the UW. Um, and I think it's time to transition into this week's interview. Tursky. You already kind of set the table for this one a little bit, but I, I heard this was a fun one. This was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Honestly, wow. we we're in like we we're in like the war room in the in the U.S. Air Force Base, um, and this guy just has one of the best backstories in professional golf, in my opinion. Um, I don't think he really needs too much more intro. Let's just get right into this interview with uh, Kyle Westmoreland and enjoy this one. This was fun. All right. So today on Fully Equipped, we welcome a very special guest onto the show. His name is Kyle Westmoreland. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. So he's playing in the Shriners this week in Vegas. And he graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy, served active duty for five years. He's since turned professional, played in the U.S. Open, and is now playing PGA Tour events professionally, making a run. First of all, thank you for your service and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So speaking of here, can you kind of describe where we're at right now and the experience that me and you just went through? Yeah, yeah. I guess this is not your normal normal spot. No. We're at Nellis Air Force Base. We're in the Thunderbirds ward room. And uh, yeah, so excited that they hosted us today. It's an awesome spot to be. And, and you know, thank you for doing this at like you said, graduated from the Air Force Academy, finished 2014, um, served for about five and a half years, finished the end of 2019, then started playing full time. You know, so thankful enough to you know, play in some tour events and, and qualify for the Open. Now, we, you know, we got a spot in this week. And so, you know, super excited to be in Vegas, super excited to play, super excited to share this with my buddies who have been, you know, all over the world and are now, you know, kind of here. So, so it's awesome to experience this this week. First of all, going back uh into like your high school years i'm sure you were a standout golfer what kind of made you make that decision to go into the air force in the first place yeah you know i had a decent high school career i wasn't wasn't the best i was pretty raw to be honest um had a lot of speed but didn't always know where i was going so i took all my recruiting visits i visited pretty much everywhere in texas that was not um ut or a m and you know was fortunate to have some options but tour at air force on a whim you know the coach coach brought me there and and i thought it'd be cool to visit i went there with zero intentions on ever going there but you know through visiting through meeting the guys uh i decided that, hey air force is you know this is really cool this is a challenge and i'd love to do it so i chose to go there had no i had no idea what i was getting myself into but <laughs> but uh it was an awesome experience i wouldn't trade it for the world what did you get yourself into what was like the training like and also how do you even balance that and playing on a golf team 
Yeah. So sports are not, you know, you, you can play sports, you play division one sports, but sports are not the priority. The priority is, you know, military service time, getting through school and then, then your service time. So it was different, you know, it was different not having summers to play, um, having doing military training during summers. And then, you know, you go into the school, you do, you do basic training for your first eight weeks and then, uh, and then you go into the school year. And so, you know, after that basic training, you haven't touched the club for six to eight weeks and then you get out and two weeks later, you're playing your first college tournament. So you better get ready and, and get ready quickly. But, but to be honest, you know, people go to the academy for an array of reasons, right? That's, you can go because your parents were there. You can go because you went on a visit and liked it. Um, it's all, it's a tough experience for everybody. No one breezes through the academy and it's, it's meant to, it's meant to kind of be a weed out. So if you, if you can't handle it, you won't, you won't make it. But, um, everyone, you know, struggles for a while, but then you, everyone ends up staying because of the people, people, you know, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, if you have good people around you, it makes it, you know, it makes it what it is. Um, the Academy was great to me. I love it. I hated it as a freshman, all the military <laughs> training and stuff, but I stayed because of my buddies and, and my buddies are, you know, they're awesome. They're out you know, flying fighters, working in the air force, different military branches. And, and it's been awesome. It's been awesome to see what they do. And uh, I think I'm the least impressive of all my buddies. But, you know, I just chase a golf ball around, try to add small numbers. So speaking of your buddies a little bit, I know they're here. They're at Nellis. Um, you're in town for the Shriners. You're playing in the event. And you were actually able to set this up. And your buddies are currently active on duty. And you were playing on the golf team at Air, Air Force with them. Can you Cor- kind of talk about that? Yeah, yeah, correct. You guys have and correct, keep yeah. in touch? Yeah. So we, you know, all the guys from when I was a freshman to when, you know, through my senior year, even, even after us, we all keep in touch. We're super close. You know, you go through the highs and lows together and, and three of those guys are here this week. Um, they want, one of them flies the F 35, one of them flies the F 16 and the other one's a Thunderbird pilot. So, um, Thunderbird number six. So, you know, it's an awesome time to get to come here and see these guys playing on a team with them. Super special. You know, we made bonds that last lifetime, whether, you know, they're in Italy or Korea or overseas. We, you know, we're always talking and we, when we get together or when we're able to get together, it's like not, you know, no time ever passed. And we're giving each other a hard time and uh, playing some golf when we get a chance to. So they're still pretty good sticks as well. Are they? Yeah. I mean, how do you keep your game in shape when, you know, you have a lifestyle like this? Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're super rusty. Like they're, you know, they're, <laughs> they're not exactly what they were, but uh, two of the guys, Jack and Robert, who you met, mm-hmm. third one's Daniel. Um, two of the guys are incredible, you know, players. They were some of the best that have ever gone to the Air Force Academy, and and you know they're still good. They don't they don't play very often. They play probably play four times a year, but when they get out there, they still hit it good somehow. So, gives me hope. You know, I go through like a few days and I'm not hitting it well. I'm like, uh, you know, what's going on? But they they play three times a year. Enjoyed it. Golf has become you know their a great pastime of theirs and and it's a you know blows off steam right they they live in a high stress world and you know a lot of people say stress can be you know golf can be stressful but um i think they handle it well and use golf as an outlet so golf's not stressful for them and and being in the military to be honest you know that is the best gift i could have been given for my golf game right so you getting to go around around the world meet, see people experience things you know it gains your perspective and it, gives, it really makes you who you are and uh i'm so thankful to be able to you know have those experiences have that perspective and then take it into the golf world because 
golf's great, but there's so much more, so much more, or so much that's more meaningful off the course mm-hmm. that I get to be a part of, especially here with Volition. You know, you're going through that, and Volition, you know, for those that don't know, is a uh, is a company who does so much for the community. They give back to the folds of honor who, you know, support the family members of those who've been lost or wounded. And, and it's an incredible organization and, and can't, th- can't thank enough. Can't thank them enough for having me. So when you graduated from the air force, it wasn't like an option that you could turn pro right after college, right? Like you had to serve uh, active duty and you did. Can you kind of describe like what that five-year window was like in terms of what you were actually doing and were you touching a golf club at that time? Yeah. So it was, you know, it was, it was a little bit tough, right? Cause I knew I was going to play after, um, I was fortunate enough in college to have enough success to where it made sense to, you know, mm-hmm. give it a shot after and where I was confident enough to give it a shot after, um, going into, you know, the five years and ended up being, I guess, five and a half, but going into that time, you know, I, I wasn't able to turn pro. I wasn't able to play a full schedule. I, every year I'd take a couple of weeks of leave that I'd saved up. Um, mm-hmm. Leave is like your PTO, personal mm-hmm. time off. And and I'd take a couple weeks of leave and go play some Monday qualifiers and go play a few tournaments here and there. But um, I wasn't playing full time throughout the five years. So spent a lot of time at the night range in Charleston and uh, a lot of time putting on a ruler on, you know, Air Force base course putting greens and you know thankfully the air force has golf courses so um yeah you know we, we practice where we could you really try to practice with a purpose you don't get as much time you know but you can i guess if quality of practice goes up you can still you know try to get your game a little bit better and on weekends really grinded on it and you know try to maintain our game as much as possible but i think we were able to get better off the course so you know i think that is a significant part of golf as well what were you doing for the Air Force during that time? I did finance for three years. And then for the last two and a half, I went back and taught at the academy. So oh, it, was awesome. a, it was an awesome experience. I, I had a you know a great time. Uh, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi for four months first. And then I went to Charleston for about two and a half. And then back to the Air Force Academy to teach. And I taught in the um, athletics department. So it was, you know, it was an awesome time, an awesome place for me to transition out of the Air Force to get me kind of ready. But, but during that Charleston time, uh, that's when I got to, you know, go overseas, um, left, did three, three missions. Um, all were, you know, all were under a month. Um, got to kind of travel around, see people, you know, working the mission, see these guys in action and get to support them. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's really awesome to be able to see. And, I, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity. Can you talk a little bit about what the Thunderbirds do? Yeah. So the Thunderbirds are the Air Force demonstration team. So they go around and, and it's really, you know, it's really the air force's biggest recruiting tool. And not only that, they're, you know, they're awesome pilots. They do crazy things in a jet that, you know, you wouldn't think of, but I don't think anyone's ever gone to an air show that the Thunderbirds have been at or a flyover that hasn't, you know, America is what you, is what you feel when they fly over. And if you're a kid, you know, you want to be a fighter pilot after seeing that. And and it's awesome. I, I encourage everyone out there, you know, if you get a chance to see the Thunderbirds fly, it's truly amazing to watch. So talk about uh, your transition now into professional golf and kind of what that's been like. Um, what events have you played? What's like been your experience as a pro golfer? Yep. So when I was getting out of the Air Force, you have, you know, basically time saved up that 
you know, you can use at the very end, right? So I took like, I had 30 days of saved up leave before I could separate that I wasn't working. Um, so I took that and I, I Mondayed into Utah, the corn ferry event. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to finish like T24, T25 and get in the next week into mm-hmm. New York. Um, made the cut in New York and then got in again in Omaha uh, two weeks later. And, and it was, you know, it was an awesome experience, right? I was still in the military. I was, I had Mondayed into a few tournaments before that in 2017. This is now 2019, but it was awesome to be able to play three out of four weeks, four day tournaments against guys that have been playing all year and just, and to figure out that we could compete, you know, that we were good enough. Like I think golf as much as anything, it's a confidence thing. You know, if you don't, if you don't see the ball go up and do what you want it to do enough times, you're not going to be confident. You know, that'd, that'd be blind confidence. I don't think anyone has that on the golf course. It's a very humbling game. So to be able to get those reps and be able to compete was awesome coming out of the service time. So I went in, um, I played the Greenbrier and then I played the waste management at the beginning of, uh, the 2019, 2020 season was, uh, you know, we, we were in, we didn't play great, but you know, we, we did okay for the most part, had a few bad holes and, uh, ended up missing both cuts. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't how, what we wanted to do, but I, you know, I felt like we were moving in the right direction. We were building a team, which in the military, you find out quickly that, you know, no mission is accomplished, accomplished without, without the team. So while, you know, I wasn't playing every week when I, you know, when I was, and and I was trying to take everything I could learn from each experience. So I learned what I needed to do better off the tee. I learned that I needed to putt a little bit better. And so I started building these experiences, you know, putting them together and saying, Hey, which, who can I talk to, to help me do this, help me accomplish my goals and found, you know, great coaches, um obviously my wife is you know number one teammate none of this would happen without her and uh went forward so went into you know all 2020 after the waste management had a little bit of a schedule set ended up uh COVID happened right but ended up with uh pga tour canada or mckenzie tour status and then you know that didn't happen last year but was able to play the form tour this year that just finished up. Okay. So, so right before the form tour, I, uh, was, you know, we got into the open. It was an awesome experience. You know, if every course could be set up about 8,000 yards and seven yard wide fairways with eight inch rough, I'd, I would love that, you know, that's see who can hit it the farthest and, you know, go chase it. But, but that's not how golf set up. But anyway, we were, it was awesome to, you know, get in the U S open, um, to play well, struggled for the few holes in the second day, but and then got beat up on Saturday, but it was, it was awesome to, you know, see it through all these guys that are here hosting us today. were at the tournament, which, oh, that's which made the whole experience better than, you know, anything I could imagine. Right. It will, again, you know, it holds true anywhere. Um, whether I'm in, you know, the middle of Africa or I'm at the U S open, you know, the people make the experience. And that was, it was awesome to learn that. What's that pressure like of U S open? Like, say compared to a Monday qualifier? Honestly, you know, the, the Monday qualifier is tough, right? Cause you go out and you can shoot five under and, you know, say, Hey, good plan. You missed by three, you go <laughs> yeah. home and you feel like you're playing well. So the Monday qualifying is, is tough. Um, the U S open, you get there, you build a game plan, you execute and you know, you go out there with, and if you execute it, you do it you don't you're not going to play well so i thought i love the u.s open style of golf right it's it was in front of you 
fairways were narrow, rough was tall, you knew what you're going to get and you built a game plan and went to execute it. And you know, it plays hard. So par is a good score. Monday qualifiers are, you know, if you're making pars, you're getting lapped. So mm-hmm. I, there's a little bit of a pressure there, but, um, you know, we, we, we being, you know, my team, um, it's very military to say like, you don't talk about I, that, you know, it sounds pretty arrogant, but nothing can happen without multiple people, wife, Asian, if you have one coaches. So that, that's why I'm saying we, um, but it's awesome. You know, I learned from Monday qualifiers, learned from the U S open and now, you know, try to do as well as we can this week. So speaking of this week, uh, talk about just how you got into the event. I think you're on a sponsor's exemption. Mm-hmm. You give a shout out to the, the sponsors and kind of talk about even the process of how that comes about. Yeah. So by chance, um, I met John Sapiente, uh, one of the owners of the Volition brand at a Folds of Honor Foundation tournament through Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. And it was, it was an awesome experience. You know, he... He owns the clothing line that I wear. So Puma has a Volition line. Volition means, you know, it's your ability to choose what you do every single day, how you live your life. And I loved, I love what they stand for. You know, people, it's, you know, hyper patriotic brand. And, you know, I, I love America. I think, you know, it's the best country in the world bar none. And, and I'm proud, you know, I'm proud to wear it and proud to be a part of it. And, and it was great to meet him. And, and by chance, you know, the Volition and Puma, have an influence at the Shriners. And uh, I've been, you know, writing letters to the Shriners kind of Shawshank Redemption style for, for <laughs> years because it's it's one I wanted to be in because my buddies are stationed here. You know, they they come in and out of here. This is the busiest base in the busiest airfield in the country. And so I always have buddies, you know, transitioning through here. And I've been here and I've spent time and I've played Summerland, you know, in and uh, driving a government car to the to the course, you know, I've, yeah. I've spent some time here. So I was just by chance, you know, it happened that they were they had a presence, they had some influence in this tournament, and and uh, tournament director and the board decided to let me in, and you know, we're going to try to make the most of it. So we are sitting here next to your uh, your golf clubs. This is a gear podcast, after all, so we got to get into it a little bit. Yep, um, pretty unique because you have a bunch of patches on here that I'm sure no one else on the PGA tour has, can you kind of just walk us through what's on your bag? And then we'll talk briefly about what's in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. What's on, I bet you don't talk about what's on the bag. Too yeah. Much. Not usually. So, you know, it's a, it's a big old staff bag, but on the front pocket, it's got my name, which, you know, if I, if I had it my way, I probably w- wouldn't put a name on there. Um, just kind of leave it, but, but it is what it is. You know, we, we have the Trident, Trident One is a big sponsor of mine. They're also military guys, military buddies who uh, founded a company, and so they're they're backing me. Every it's really important, like I said, to b- build your team or build your brand. However, you know, however, whatever fits in with your um, with your morals, with your perspective, with how you want to carry yourself. Mm-hmm. So every sponsor I have has military ties. Trident One, they were um, military members as well. B three group is it is an awesome group based out of dc um they do great stuff for the va so you know I'm, I'm thankful to have them as sponsors you know obviously pxg and bob parsons do so much for the military and and all these guys all these thunderbird pilots are playing pxg irons and uh it's awesome to hear you know their pxg i think does make some of the best you know best equipment out there and, and i'm excited to you know excited to play it and, and thankful to play it but on the front of my bag got the uh the Thunderbirds logo, which 
so we're, who are you know sponsoring us today and mm-hmm. Dan- Daniel Thunder is his call sign, um, or Thunderbird Six is is the is his uh, position. His his logo's on there. Then the aggressors patch, which is the 64th aggressor squadron out here at Nellis Air Force Base, which was uh, Jack or, or Sticks is his call sign, and so he hosted us. And then uh, the 422 test squadron is another patch on there, and that's Robert or Dog. It's his call sign that was here with us, and and it's just awesome to be able to carry their patches with us this week. And and uh, you know, it's all a team. To, as much as it, as it is an individual game, individual sport, a team helps you get there and, and helps you live life. So this is a great team. We got the Volition. Uh, we got our Volition patch on there as well. So going to represent to the best of our ability. And, you know, we're, we're so excited, so excited to be here. Now let's talk about the golf clubs a little bit. Sweet. Uh, I see a lot of PXG. Obviously, you're sponsored by PXG. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you got? Are you a gearhead? Would you say that you're a no, big I'm not, tester? I'm not a big tester, so I don't change clubs hardly ever. I've had three sets of the same irons, though, 311 STs. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever switch, to be honest. You know, it's, I like what, I like how they feel. Um, I do, I do tamper with the lofts because I don't know if you, if you know, but you know, I'm sure you do. All, all companies are kind of going towards, you know, pitching wise is now like 45 degrees, which is crazy to me. Right. And, and I'm, I have some distance, you know, we hit it, we hit it a good bit. So I try to keep my wedges, my low irons wedges, um, very close together. So I actually play the old lofts and irons, which, which not many people do. And, and I don't spin the ball a ton either. So it, it helps me. Right. So I play a, a flat 60 degree wedge. I play a fat, uh, a flat 56 degree wedge and, and my wedges are all the, uh, the sugar daddy 0311s mm-hmm. so um it's got a little bit of like kind of you know more weight in the toe kind of higher higher moi and, and it's it's awesome um but i play a 60 a 56 and a 52 and then my pitching wedge where i instead of being like 45 degrees is, is 47 so it's not okay. it's not the original 48 but it's 47 and then i i bump down by i think i go 47 and then 42 for the nine iron and then 38 for the eight iron. And then I go 33 for the seven iron. So I got a little bit of a gap there. You know your lofts. I mean, you're not. Oh, yeah. You're not not a gearhead. You know, no, no. You know it's not that off. I'm not a gearhead. I, I just, I'm particular about what I have. Yeah. And uh, so I know my lofts, know my lie, obviously, know my length. I play five wraps under my right hand and three under my left. Okay. With a standard. Uh, tour velvet grip so i kind of take the taper out without yep. without playing the plus four grip so you know there's that's a little nuance that i'm sure the builders are not super thrilled to, to do but i can't believe how fast they do it it's incredible um i play a one iron so that's probably something now not many, talking not many people play now so it's talking. a 0311 yeah, bring this thing, yeah. yeah it's an 0311 x Oh yeah, it's got so, the one on there. Yep, yeah, it's got the the good old one on there. It's uh, I mean if we're if if we're being honest, it's it's really a two iron. But I thought the I thought the one looked a lot better. Oh, so, you're a liar. So <laughs> so it's a uh, it's awesome. The one does look clean on there. The huh? the one looks good. It's and it, how far do you hit that? Yeah, so it's gonna fly like two sixty five here. So I go any combination of a. Uh, three iron, four iron, or four iron, three iron, 
two iron, three wood. So there's yeah. some there's some days I won't play with a three wood. Some courses I won't play with a three wood. There's some courses I won't play with a you know a one iron, and sometimes I don't play with the three iron. Sometimes I don't play the four iron. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll mix and match just you know however best fits the course. Um, so that's just a course dependent decision. You play a couple practice rounds, get a feel for what you're going to hit off the tee. Exactly. You're hit into greens and see if you need a three wood. Exactly. If I need a three wood, which I would say 90% of the time I, I do use a three wood. Um, but the, the real decider most of the time is between the two iron and the, and the, uh, two, the two iron and the three iron. So the, the three wood, I use a ton off the tee. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like how courses are built, you know, if you hit it over 305 yards, a lot of times, a lot of times it starts neck. So the three wood gets worn out. It's probably my most worn club in the bag. And, uh, I'm playing a, uh, Callaway oh, Epic, Flash. Epic Flash. Yep, in there. Yep. Okay. This thing is beat to, heck. I could see the face on it. I mean, you I fit it a couple times. Yeah. I would, I'd like <laughs> for, if this thing never, uh, broke, I'd play it forever. You know, it's, it's incredible. I, it's probably my best strokes gain club in the bag. Um, I, I love it. So I, I hit it off the tee a ton. It's, it's a great, it's a great club. Play with all the hazardous. So, uh, Project X True Temper play all of their shafts. Um, so it's awesome. I actually got a, I play the hazardous black and the three wood and the driver is, uh, it's got a new shaft in it. That is, uh, I think Ooh, it's got coming. the RDX smoke. Okay. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty new shaft. They're kind of debuting it, but it's uh got it's the pretty Epic awesome. Max LS. Okay. Yeah. Looks like you were uh, messing around with the lofts on there. You got some sharp. Yeah. Black so on the bottom. yeah. I love, so I love Dean Sharpie. D- Dean tackled. He's the one that sharpies it. He's he's yeah, an awesome yeah. guy. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hit it hit it hard this week. What uh, you're a track man guy, right? I am. Yeah. So do you get like pretty deep into the numbers? Do you like, you know, most of the time when I'm, when I'm on track, man, I'm really focusing on, you know, swing direct swing path, face angle, kind of pat that path to face relation or face to path. And, and so, you know, I, I play a cut. So I like in a perfect world of like two degrees left on the path and one degree left on the face and just hit a nice little, you know, kind of pull cut. And, uh, that's, that's what I like to do. And, are you asking like numbers like speed wise and stuff? No, that, I mean, that was a great answer. I wanted to hear kind of what numbers you were focused on. Um, it does sound like, you know, your numbers pretty well. Yeah. Obviously we need to know your ball speed. Yeah. So <laughs> it's I'm, like the, what's your ball speed question gonna, you got to ask. Everybody. I'm going to pull up a picture that, you know, they were d- testing the shafts and they screenshotted it. So this was, this was our testing yesterday. What the, you know, kind of, uh what kind of optimized oh man these are some serious numbers 194.8 ball speed 132.6 club speed 340 carry 13.5 launch angle 25 hundo spin rate these are some nice numbers yeah yeah you know and as long as we're you know hitting it in the fairway I i love to push it out there as far as we can um is that you topping it out yeah, like, well, is that you swinging? No, that's like how no. We I play I play with kind of three different driver swings. So I got one that um, ball speed goes to about one fifty five. It flies about two fifty and rolls out to like two eighty. It it doesn't have enough spin or loft to 
leave the fairway, right? Mm-hmm. So, and especially in desert golf, when if it's playing firm, you can hit that out there or go forever. So I play that and that's it. I'll hit that interchangeably with a two iron. Mm-hmm. So it basically goes the same distance, but I, you know, you're pretty much never going to miss the face with the driver and, and it's, it's, it's good. Um, second is a kind of like a crew, we call it like cruising speed. And it's just a very controlled cut. And I play that about, you know, 185 to 88. And then we have like a, a full swing, which I don't take a full swing. I don't know if you've seen my actual swing, but it's a, you know, it, it's not a full back swing. Right. So, so we have a full swing, which goes to about 195. And then if we're, if we're, you know, trying to, uh, long drive it for whatever reason, um, we can get it up to about 206, but, um, I don't ever, you know, I need a Bryson speed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it used to be a lot faster than Bryson, but that's not a, uh, that is not, yep. That's not a, uh, that's not a thing anymore. That's a thing of the past. So I'm no longer, no longer that I'll let him hit it 30 past me, but yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, it's good. I, I won't, I won't hit a ball to a six unless I'm trying to, you know, take a picture of number to send to Bryson or something right, right, like right. that. So, um, I, I, I would say 195 probably there might be a hole out there that we're going to try to do it, but we'll sit at the 185 to 188 this week. And, uh, try to hit some fairways make some birdies it's nice to like have a cruise swing that goes 185 you know yeah well it's i nice got to have to think to be fair i've got some you know i've got some pounds on people right like you yeah know, big dude 230 pounds so i should be able to get a little bit behind it um but it's awesome you know all those all shoot all those guys out here all the fighter pilots sticks thunder dog they all hit it you know, they're all 180s ball speed. They're mm-hmm. you saw them; they're big guys. So in college, we had to you had to keep up, right? You didn't want to you didn't want to be the shortest one out there. So it's cool. Your off course training regimens are a little bit different than most golfers. I feel like too. Yeah, especially I mean, they definitely used to be right in the, during the military times. You know, got big into Olympic lifting, um, snatch and clean and jerk only, and so basically all power from the floor up, right? Mm-hmm. So just like golf, you know, you can be strong, but technique is what you know, tech, technique is what carries you. If you, if you're slow, you know, if you have, if you can't jump, you're not going to hit the ball far. That's just how it works. Mm. So train, I did a lot of speed training, um, did a lot of mobility and kind of now, you know, kind of durability training, right? So if, if you're not mobile, it's hard to, it's hard to really, you know, stay healthy in golf, which for me, you know, it's crazy to see Bryson doing what he's doing and, and staying healthy, you know, he's figured something out and he works his tail off. So, you know, so much you know so many props to him regardless of you know what you think about the guy he's one of the hardest working guys out there Mm so gotta have a lot of respect for it gotta respect it man yeah just finished what top eight in the long drive tour yeah i don't know if you've ever tried to hit a long drive driver but the shafts are crazy like they're super super flexible flexy i I honestly felt like i was gonna hit myself in the back of the neck you know (laughs) so i that's that's not for me but uh but i respect you know bryson doing that and you know you got to give it to him. I, I don't know what's gone on behind the scenes, like business wise, but, um, he made that sport this year. Right. Mm-hmm. There was like, I don't know. Someone said like 50,000 or 42,000 people or something like that tuning in to see a long drive competition, which I don't know that if that's ever happened in the past live and, uh, give it to him, you know, thanks for doing that. Thanks for spreading the game of golf. And, and, uh, yeah, that's cool to see. I wonder what long drive will be like next, next year. It'll be bigger than it was the year previous. Yep. That's and a guarantee. I can guarantee that I will not be trying to do that. I will not chase speed. 
but uh i'm gonna try to chase some fairways yeah for sure so uh i know i've already taken up like way too much of your time oh, but good. how does the course look this week and what are you hoping for yeah it's like your goal for this week you know the course is 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 pretty straightforward it'll depend on you know if it firms up some of the greens have some good undulation to them some slope away from you so it, you know it's going to be a you drive it you know try to drive it in the fairway and it's going to be a wedge game so wedge and putt and you know whoever does it the best is going to win um played with was fortunate to play with zach johnson today watch how he did it and how i did how i did it and we, we played it differently but at the end of the day you know it's going to be moving it forward and trying to make 15 footers so i think all of us when we're young last question here yeah all of us when we're young we like dream about being on the pga tour and you're kind of getting to live out that dream yeah you know what's what's that like and what are your kind of like takeaways shoot i'm still chasing it you know it's uh i'll tell you being you know getting to play on the pga tour these weeks that i've you know been able to be involved with it it's it's an incredible experience you know so much more goes into it than you see on tv right so you're you're playing thursday through sunday but you know what people don't see is like hey practice round start on monday if you played the week before you might take monday off and you play tuesday wednesday and it's truly a dream i get to play golf you know, six days a week. It's, it's incredible. I get to play in different cities, get to play these great golf courses, get to be around great people that are, you know, pressing the game of golf and, and making it better. And, you know, it's, it's just an awesome experience. It's truly, you know, truly a gift. And I'm, I'm thankful to be here every single day that I can and try to take advantage of it, you know, to see if we can't play well and, and have a lot more of these days to come. Best of luck. Thank you. Fairways and greens, make some putts, get it going. Yep. Yep. Well, I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you again for your service, man. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All Play right. well. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for episode 111 of Fully Equipped. Thanks as always to Kyle for the time. As always, if you're looking for more gear news, you can find us on social media. We're at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Always appreciate you listening. See you next week. <laughs>